With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Thanks for listening to the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. It is a Friday. We're glad to have you with us here on Fox Sports Radio. And which one is it? Are the Lakers really bad or are the Lakers really good? It's something we're going to try to figure out over the next three hours or so because this week it has been something else involving those Los Angeles Lakers, Aaron. I will say this. They are very much in the news. And I am so grateful for Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Rich Paul because as I told you the other night, Dan, if they weren't in our lives right now, we would be spending three hours talking Nick Foles free agency. <laughs> oh, is he going to go to the Jags? Is he going to go to the Dolphins? Where is Nick Foles? Oh, no, we don't have to talk about I that. will say this as well. While the NBA trade deadline didn't give us the big name move, maybe outside of Marcus Saul and Markel Fultz, the fact that Anthony Davis wasn't moved continues 
the possibility of even more stories, and it's a really good possibility. Otherwise, if Anthony Davis was dealt, I think we would have felt it was a foregone conclusion that he would likely then re-up with the Lakers when he could, and that would be the end of the Anthony Davis saga. Now, while it may be on hiatus for the next four or five months until July 1st comes around, until that point, we're going to be talking about the playoffs, we're going to be talking about the NBA Finals, and then when the NBA Finals is done, the storyline pops up again with so many other storylines in the NBA. So it's almost the gift that keeps on giving, even though the Pelicans and Lakers couldn't get a deal done at the trade deadline. Yeah, I don't even know how much hiatus it's on because of the fact that, let's never forget, one, the Pelicans have now decided to replay him, but I feel like this is going to be a, a situation every night. Is he playing? Is he not? If he's out, what does it mean? Is he really hurt? Are they holding him out? But then also with what happened with the Lakers last night. It just becomes an ever-evolving new chapter to the soap opera. Lakers beat the Celtics 129-128 to on a buzzer beater by Rajon Rondo in a game that went back and forth in the final minutes with LeBron hitting a three and then the Celtics able to score. Then Kyle Kuzma comes through. Kyrie Irving hits a big bucket. And then with no timeouts, chaos ensued and Rondo hits the buzzer beater on a loose ball. Lakers end up winning. And that's where we are right now with the Lakers and who they are as a basketball team. Because there were two completely different basketball teams wearing Laker uniforms over the past 72 hours. There was the team in Indianapolis that lost to the Pacers by 42 points, and then there was a team in Boston last night that ended up winning by one against a team that was one of the hotter teams in the NBA, who had won five in a row, who had won nine of their last ten, who are moving up in the Eastern Conference standings. So that now begs the question, with all of this AD junk in the rearview mirror, what is the real Lakers team that we've got? And as, as I pose this question and I pose this scenario, Aaron, I'm just going to answer it. The outlier to me is the 42-point effort on Tuesday with all of the garbage and the trade talks and the rumors swirling. That's the outlier to me. The outlier wasn't last night's game against the Boston Celtics. The outlier was what happened on Tuesday when you lose in LeBron's first loss by 40 points or more. They lose by 42 that doesn't always happen. When you take a step back and look what the Lakers are and now what the Lakers have ahead of them, I think the future is very bright. I don't know if last night, I don't think last night is that monumental turnaround where we're going to see them take off. I think it's everything involved that is going to allow the Lakers to, to turn around and that the New Orleans Pelicans, by not taking the Lakers deal, in a way save the Lakers from themselves. And that's what I think we've got with the Lakers now moving forward is we get a real sense of who the Lakers are because they weren't that team Tuesday night in Indianapolis. I think, certainly, I think Tuesday was an aberration. Whenever LeBron James suffers the worst loss of his entire career, you're going to sit back and say, yeah, that's probably not going to happen again. But I actually disagree with you on this. I think, look, it's it's great that they got the win. It's great that they're jumping around and and it's like high school, you beat you beat the buzzer and everyone's best friends. But I still think when those guys go back in that locker room, it is a locker room divided. It is guys in their own factions, in their own camps. I still think Lonzo Ball's Instagram, we ain't going nowhere. Like I think that is more reflective of the guys that are in the locker room. And to me, this just goes back to what we hear athletes say in every sport whenever there's some kind of in-house drama. We have a job to do. We're focused on the task at hand. And I think the Lakers can separate the fact that they have to perform when they step on the court from the fact that I think a lot of them just don't like number 23 right now once they step off the court. They may not like him because they were the ones involved, and I'm not sure on how much of the blame is 
is if it's 100% on LeBron, if it's 99%, if it's 95%, it could be 5%. We, we don't know right now. We have our own theories. But I will say this. I don't think last night was the turning point. What I think last night was this was the Laker team that the Lakers felt that they were all season long before LeBron got hurt. And that's why what I think is the most important thing about this. Doug has said on this show that the Lakers feel they're one of the top teams in the West. Like They feel as a team that they are one of the best teams in the Western Conference, maybe just shy of the Golden State Warriors. Your opinion may be different. My opinion may be different. But that's how the Lakers felt as a team, that they were that close to being a top seed in the Western Conference. Right now, as you look at the standings, they're on the outside looking in. But remember, you didn't have LeBron for a month. You had Kyle Kuzma out. You had Rajon Rondo missing time. Who hits the game winner last night? Lonzo Ball is still out right now. So there are a lot of factors that were moving in and out of why the Lakers maybe didn't have the great success over the last month and a half or so. And one of the reasons why they fell out of the playoff picture in the Western Conference. And now when you look at the Western Conference, that's why I don't think that last night is is the monumental turnaround because I think there's some validity in what you're saying is they might not like LeBron. They may not have liked him all season long. Whether they did or didn't, the point is, is they were still a pretty good team. And last night was one of their opportunities where they were able to put everything together. Tuesday was the outlier because there was just so much junk going on. There was talk here, who's going to be moved. Now that they know they don't have to, I think they are pulled back and closer to that team that they felt that was one of the tops in the West. And when you look at how the Western Conference playoffs settle out, Clippers don't seem like they're going for it. I think now with LeBron healthy, you think that the Lakers are going to be able to overtake Sacramento. Now you're, what, three games out of the sixth spot in the West? That's not unconceivable for the Lakers to take over. I think what we saw last night was the beginning of the Lakers going back to the team that we thought that they thought they were at the first half of the season. So then let me ask you this. If this, if let's assume that this is, in fact, the case, right, that the, the Lakers, as you alluded to, were very much in the hunt for a top-four seed somewhere in that mix when LeBron James goes down. And that, by the way, if LeBron James doesn't go down, maybe they don't make these moves, maybe they don't feel the need to make this push for Anthony Davis, all these different variables that have since happened. What does it say about LeBron James then and his impatience, his unwillingness to kind of ride out a tough stretch? Because this was a team, like you said, they were very much in the hunt for one of the better seeds in the Western Conference, and in the last... Six weeks, I guess, since Christmas Day of 2018, we've seen Luke Walton go to uh, you know a scorching hot seat. We've seen LeBron literally try to trade everyone on this roster. I think what this says to me is if we are to believe what you're saying, and I think there's reason to believe that the Lakers' plan all along was to kind of slowly integrate these young guys with the veterans, what does it say about LeBron that there's a couple bad weeks and he's immediately wanting to blow everything up and get a new coach? Well, that's the that's the 95% of the 5% that we don't know, and we don't know about the Lakers. Sure, I think that he probably wants Anthony Davis as sure. his teammate. We talked earlier in the week when we were in for Jason Smith and Mike Harmon about I'm not sure Clutch Sports and the Lakers were on the same page because it doesn't seem like the Lakers were necessarily prepared to make an offer to the Pelicans a thought-out offer because they just ended up offering everyone, and they offered five different deals. And to me, that's not being prepared and knowing the market. That's just like we got to get a deal done because the trade deadline comes up on February 7th, which was yesterday. What I think this does say about LeBron and what he has done is 
and maybe it's about everyone else as well, put it aside, put the garbage that happened on Tuesday, and maybe Rondo's a part of it. Chris Weber talked about it at the end of the broadcast last night, how they had a practice on Wednesday, and everybody kind of seemed to gel and get together and, in the workout and maybe put some of that stuff behind them. But I think that they're professional basketball players, and in a month from now, you're still going to be worried that you may not be in L.A. on July 1st. I think like this week and everything that went with it was the reason. But if you're still holding on to this on March 5th, on March 8th, on March 11th, then you've got a real problem as a basketball player, and I don't think that, that that is something that is going to happen with this Lakers team. So we know LeBron is egotistical. We know that he may want to push, but right now in the situation that they're in, LeBron is the reason why they could be a top three seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, I think you could also argue he's the reason in large part why this could completely fall apart, though, too, right? Do you really think that a LeBron James team with LeBron on it? I don't. Yeah, that's... I don't. And I also think there's something to be said... Now, and this goes back to my point a minute ago about LeBron, now that the trade deadline's over, LeBron doesn't get to play matchmaker. He doesn't get to be the GM. He's still going to try to be the coach, but there's no trades to be made at this point. Maybe there's a, I know they have one roster spot. Maybe there's a free agent to sign, maybe Carmelo Anthony, but he's stuck with the guys that he's stuck with. And obviously these are not the guys that he wanted, and it's very public and apparent that that is the case. But I do wonder if they're able to move on almost like an arranged marriage of you might not like me and I might not like you, but whether it's the young guys playing for the next place where Kyle Kuzma might be the go-to guy, maybe he increases his trade value where he – I'm not saying it's going to happen, but in theory, in six months, maybe he plays himself into a position where he is as nice of a piece on paper as Jason Tatum, right? Uh, Brandon Ingram, whoever it is – Everyone has something to play for, and I do wonder if this now becomes an arranged marriage kind of deal of we're stuck together, but now we know at least we're together, and I do think there's something to be said about LeBron's teams usually hit their stride this time of year, and I do wonder if it's because he has stopped trying to move the puzzle pieces behind the scenes. He knows this is who he has, and he's got to just go out and play basketball. Well, his message to the team of not going on social media on Tuesday Rang pretty hollow on Wednesday yes. with the Harrison Barnes oh, sort of conversation, don't get me on that. and 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 just revealing on that. And his teammates may now know, like, okay, this is the guy that I got to deal with. This yeah. is like any any situation at work. You know, I look at I when I moved into the college dorm for the first time, everybody was cool on the floor for the first sure. month, and then by the the end of the year, you pretty much couldn't stand everybody sure. except maybe a couple of people. I think that's where the Lakers maybe are of like finding out, okay, this is what LeBron is all about. This is, okay, this is the real LeBron. We had heard everything. We had seen this and that. But a month from now, I just don't think you can hold on to that anger, if you will. I don't think you can hold on to that that angst that you could have. You may not like the guy, but you figure out over the next four weeks or so a way to navigate it. Now with the Western Conference and just looking at how it's laid out, I know they're on the outside looking in right now, but with the Clippers moves that they made, I still like the Lakers over Sacramento no matter how well they're playing. I think that the Lakers have an avenue to get into the Western Conference playoffs, and it's actually going to be a pretty easy path for them to get into the postseason because this is the real Lakers team now that we're seeing put together with guys back healthy and guys back playing. Yeah, I will say now that it's all played out, I do kind of more believe the narrative of maybe LeBron could have come back a little bit earlier, but I I feel like he was trying to position himself where this trade could go down, where maybe he wasn't in a rush back so that maybe Luke Walton doesn't look as good, maybe some of these other young guys, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, look at at how much I missed. 
Well, yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. And I, I don't know. I, I, I think it'll be fascinating. But I do think now that he knows that he's stuck with these guys, I do wonder if everybody moves on and puts it behind. I always tell everybody if I'm out for a show and I come back and I say, how was it? I don't want to hear, good. I want to hear, man, it was awful. You were missed. Like, man, that, that show stunk without you. That, that's what I want to hear. So I'm sure Doug you know, comes in on Monday and says, how was the show on Friday? Rye Music's going to say, it stunk. We needed you, Doug, because that's what Doug's going to want to hear. John Ramos is going to say, yeah, Doug, no. Thank goodness you're back today because those guys. That's what everybody wants to hear. That's what LeBron wanted to hear with the Lakers. Oh, man, we missed you. Oh, thank goodness you're back. No, we don't hate you anymore, yeah. I swear. <laughs> don't ignore Lonzo's Instagram. That didn't mean anything. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. At Farmers, we've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything. When it's game time, have an experienced player to help you stay ahead of the game. Put their experience into play at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Are the Lakers the real deal? We'll ask an NBA insider next here. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. In for Doug Gottlieb on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years 
and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Super Bowl 53 did take place on Sunday in Atlanta. Patriots getting that victory against the Rams 13-3. It seems like it was like... Two weeks ago now, for yep. some reason. I, it just seems like a long time ago. I don't know if it was because how the game played out. I don't know if it's just because now you decompress with the NFL or because the NBA had so so much so many headlines. But, I mean, it seems like the game was like two weeks ago. Yeah, I think it was a combination of all that stuff. Specifically, there were so many evolutions to the Anthony Davis-LeBron Lakers thing. It wasn't just like we were waiting for the trade deadline. It was like seven things yeah, happened in yep. the lead up, which I think is part of it. And, and it was on Tuesday that the Patriots celebrated their Super Bowl 53 win that they got Sunday in Atlanta. Joining us now, he's a Super Bowl champion. Patriots defensive lineman Lawrence Guy. Hey, Lawrence, congratulations. Appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This is, uh, this is I know, uh, got to be special for you, especially after last year and falling to the Philadelphia Eagles. What happens when you win a Super Bowl and you realize you're a Super Bowl champion? What happens in the hours after winning a Super Bowl? What do you go through? What do you do with the family? What do you do with the team? Take us through those couple of hours after you ended up beating the Rams on Sunday. Well, you don't sleep much, you know, for <laughs> the, those two, three days. It's a, a, a non-sleep session, I say that, but it's it's thrilling you know you get to get all the text messages millions of text messages a bunch of congratulations and you can take a whole lot of photos with the family you get to take a whole lot of photos with fans and and your teammates and the the thrill of behind it um is unbelievable like once you hit the professionals you dream about going to the show and winning and actually going two years in a row and winning one of them and and Having that uh, graffiti come down uh, from the air, having everybody come to the field, get to touch the land, Barty, it's, it's amazing feeling that you are always cherished with your, with your teammates and you always cherish with your family. Especially me, I got to put my daughter on the field, me and her kids in Lombardi at the same time. Oh, nice. That was one of those things we got a, a photo of that when she gets a little bit older, I'm like, I told you, you had a, a great childhood. There you go. So, Lawrence, I will tell you, I had a great weekend because I was the only Fox Sports radio host in the preseason to pick the New England Patriots to win the Super Bowl. And the reason I did is because I feel like there's something unbelievable that goes on behind the scenes, behind those walls in New England. You've played for a lot of other organizations. How do you describe to friends, family, or frankly folks like us, what is different in New England that always allows you guys to get to this stage and thrive to this stage that maybe doesn't happen other places? Non-selfishness. There's no such thing as a selfish player on this team. Um, doesn't matter how long you've been here. doesn't matter who you are. 
is no selflessness on his team. And that's the biggest part of it. Once you get a group of men that go out there and play for their brothers next to them, great things happen. And we're a do-your-job team. Um, if, you're, if your job is to stop the run, you need to stop the run. If it's to stop the pass, you need to stop the pass. And you can trust that person that's going out there is going to do it. Um, from the starter to the person behind them, doesn't matter who it is, we are all built and we all train and, and study to be on that field to play uh, top top light football. And like you said, we, you saw in the game that we had Patrick Trent go down. Uh, it was a big hit, but we had the next person come up, step up, and we had no doubt in our mind that that person was going to go out there and play the best ball that he was going to play. And he came back, Chung came back on the sideline himself to help out, to be that leader that he is, to be like, this is what I'm seeing, this is what's going on, not just in the locker room, like, oh, I broke my forearm, I'm just sitting there, he's back out there helping out, trying to improve everything that he sees, and that's the type of people we have on this team, and it's a great individual that he play with and to share a locker room with. Lawrence Guy of the New England Patriots joining us here on Fox Sports Radio on the Doug Gottlieb Show. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. As much as I want to talk about the Super Bowl win, and and there'll be more about that, I'm curious for what you were just talking about because I've heard that one thing that separates the Patriots from maybe other teams and other organizations is how you handle the beginning of the season, whether it be maybe OTAs or training camps. Is I, I was told, and I, I guess this is my question, do you guys just start with like basic fundamentals to, to, to start out? How is a Bill Belichick regime different than the other stops that you've had in the NFL? Well, you, you know, once you get here, there's a new team every year, and we all know that um, there's new people, faces coming up from the draft, new for free agencies or, or wire pickups. So you always have to pick up with fundamentals, and, and we – Coach, they coach them. I'm not coaching. They're coaching good fundamentals that the play technique sound. And, you know, that's what we're about, technique sound football. So you come in and you have to get how we're going to uh, play the game, how the technique is done, um, what are you reading on the field, down to the to the tee, then you keep improving and improving. Because the idea of having a good football team is never to stay the same. It's always to improve, and that's pretty much what we built in the Patriot way is you're going to improve once you get here because you're going to have veterans on the team and you're going to have young people on the team coming in, so you have to help everybody out. And once you do that, the team grows and grows, and we start from the basics all the way up to to simple footwork, all the way up to what you're reading on film, to your football IQ, and it continues to grow. Like you'll see, beginning of the season, you might have a – a rough patch here and there, but it never stays that way. It's always getting better and better and better. Because we learn from our, our, our faults and we grow. We, we, we learn from our plays that we do good and the techniques that we do good and grow that more too and help everybody out around on the team to make sure they play to the highest ability that they go play to also. Obviously, uh, we talk Patriots, you got to talk Tom Brady. What is it about him 41 years old, continues to win at the highest level, beats all those young quarterbacks that we hear so much about, Patrick Mahomes, etc. What is it about him, and how much longer do you think he can keep this going? He said he wants to play till 45, and he's getting closer and closer and doesn't seem to be dropping off very much. You know, Tom's a great teammate. Um, one of those teammates that when you walk in the building in the morning, he's going to say hello, have a conversation. I've seen him have a conversation with everybody in our locker room. 
personally and football-wise. So he's one of those players that you hope to have the privilege to play with. Like, there are many quarterbacks in this league. And if he plays to 45, I won't be happy, you know. <laughs> he's going to play, play the game until until he wants to stop. Um, that's to his ability. But I'm pretty sure he got the good basis on on, on how, how much longer he wants to do and how his body's feeling. But as right now, he look, he's looking great out there. And the knowledge that he's given our, our, our team is, is amazing because the experience that he has throughout the year, like, unbelievable uh, talent-wise and, and um, mental-wise out there. So, yeah, like, I'm hoping he's going to continue to play, you know. If he plays until the 50, that would be great. It'll be in history books. Lawrence Guy, the New England Patriots, joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. Kind enough to have a few more minutes with Aaron Torres and myself, Dan Byer, in for Doug Gottlieb. So how long did the post-Super Bowl party go into Monday morning? Uh, I think, oh, I don't know when it stopped. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. I, I left because I, <laughs> I had to go pack my bag because we had to catch a flight. But uh, it, it goes, you know. Either you're celebrating with your family or you're celebrating with the, at the, the post-game. But it, it never stops because the thrill behind it. Even when you left, even when I left, it's still hard to go to sleep because you're still in shock that you won the game. And you get to pick out like a graffiti out of your clothes and stuff like that. But the the idea of winning the game and getting to celebrate that is phenomenal. Like, ah, you, you can't, like, things can't compare to that. Is What you dream about in, in the company that is great. You can think about the biggest accomplishment you have in your life. And, and take that to the aspect like, hey, this is what I'm going to get to. And once you get to it, it has changed a whole lot of stuff, and it makes you want to want more of it. Because once you fill it once, you want to fill it again. So you, you continue to compete later on to get back to that, that platform and do it again. What was last year's like? After was, the loss. It was exciting. It was exciting to get there, but the loss hurt, you know. It's like you lost the biggest game. Because at the end of the day, it's still a football game. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. And I was, I, was, I was happy about the game due to the fact that I got to compete in that game, and it was an exciting game to play. It was a down-by-down game, and I was happy that I actually had the opportunity to compete in there. And the loss just makes you think in your mind, like, we lost, I understand, but now it's time to get back into the, the workshop. We need, I need to train more. I need to study more to get back to the, to the show. And to win it next time, and that's what you're pretty much doing. Because with a, with a lot of people, a lot of teams, once you get a taste of it, you just stop. And you're like, oh well, we won, one. It's not about winning one. It's about how many can you win, and how fast can you win them, and how can you improve yourself and your teammates to go back to that platform and to win again. And that's what my idea was. So we, we lost. I was like, man, this sucks. I got a couple of weeks, to, to, two, three weeks to get over it, and then back in the workshop, getting back to training. Um, increasing my football IQ to get back to that platform one more time to compete again. And now that we won, it's like now I need to train some more to get back to it also again. Because it's not you can have one piece of the pie, but you know everybody wants the whole pie, so you have to go back and start getting more pieces. And that was my last question: Is how long do you take to celebrate this one before you get focused on the next one? Me myself, it you take a, a week or two off, then you just go back at it. You know, it's a short off season due to playing into February. So you, you get, let your body recover 
I'm different than everybody else. So whatever your nicks and bruises are, you let your body recover and you get right back into it. And once you do that, you've got one one idea of mine is how do you get back and how do you wait for the next game coming up? Because every year is a different challenge, and, and, and the year coming up on me a whole nother challenge that uh, we have to go up there and, and uh, meet to it. He's Lawrence Guy, defensive lineman for the Super Bowl champion New England Patriots. Was the sun up when you got home from the party? Is the question. Man, you keep hammering about yeah. this. Was the sun up? Was it coming up when you came home or came to the hotel? No, it was, oh. it was, I want to know. I didn't. The hotel was where the after party was at, so I went straight up to the room. Okay, I had no uh, idea. Duck right. the question. That uh, sounds uh, like a that's duck all to right. me. I have a feel that the sun it's may like, have been. It's like that. Uh, it's like the Vegas treatment. You know, Vegas and New York team. You know, when you go out the thing, it always looks like it's sunny outside. When you're in the hotel, it looks like it's sunny outside. You had no idea until you walk outside. I had no idea because <laughs> I didn't walk outside. So I was in the building and I stayed there, went right up to the room. And the only time I woke up and saw the sun was when I had to pack to go to the airport. I feel like that's a Belichick thing. Tape up the windows so nobody can see in or out or anything like that. <laughs> He's Lawrence Guy of the New England Patriots. Lawrence, congratulations. Appreciate the time and enjoy your short offseason, but congrats on the Super Bowl title. Thank you uh, for having me on the show. I had a blast. Lawrence Guy. Get him on Twitter at that L Guy. Yes, G-U-Y. At Farmers, we've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything. When it's game time, have an experienced player to help you stay ahead of the game. Put their experience into play at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. One more thing on that Super Bowl party. I didn't realize that they still had parties after losses. Like, like I knew that there were parties scheduled, but it wasn't until... I think it was Gronk after the Giants lost. Remember when he had his arm like in a cast, or he was he when he was dancing. Yeah, and it was like, oh, I guess the party still goes on even after a loss. I don't know if that was like a party or did he go out? I feel like he went out. They have a, they have a team party. That's what it was uh, at. Yeah, so each team has a party after the Super Bowl game, which is crazy to think that even if you lose, you end up having a party. But yeah, that was the case. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. The trade deadline in the NBA has passed, and one of the themes that I've heard is, wow, wow, hey, let's give a round of applause to the Philadelphia 76ers. There is no team in the NBA that gets more kudos for doing so little. Like, it is, whether it be applauding and saying the next superstar that Ben Simmons is, whether it be while Jimmy Butler is taking this team to the next level. By the way, if you haven't checked the standings, Aaron, the, the Sixers check. are in the five spot still in the East. They're six and a half games out. Even Indiana, who doesn't have Victor Oladipo, they've won their last four. So the Sixers right now, I know it's a tight race, but wouldn't even have home court in the first round of the playoffs. Yet we want to say, look at what this Sixers team has done. And then time and time again, we whether it's that we want to believe in the process or trusting the process. And now they're able to make moves to make a push in the postseason. I understand why the name of Tobias Harris going from the Clippers to the Sixers is something that's appealing. But when you look at the situation that you put Tobias Harris in, it's nothing personal against Tobias Harris, who I thought was the second best player in LA before he was traded by the Clippers. I just don't see a fit. And I think that we get so enamored with this, the 76ers and the personality of Joel Embiid and everything that goes with it, that we overinflate, that we want to believe so much in the Philadelphia 76ers 
when they just aren't as good as everybody wants them to be. Yeah, and I don't know if it's a sports thing where we just get tired of the same storylines and the same narratives and the boring elements of it, like with uh, you know the Celtics or teams that have been there before. I just feel like in the NBA, more than any other sport, we rush to anoint the next whatever it is, the next player, the next team, the next this, the next that. And I, you can go back to the playoffs last year. This still stems from the playoffs. They have a really good series against the Heat. And, oh, my, well, the Sixers, they might make the finals. No, they get swept by Boston. <laughs> it was, it's, it's not even, they played some close games against Boston. It was a five-game series, I think it was. Who but says it was when close. do we get credit for yeah. close games? Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly my point. And, and when you look at, when you look at what the Sixers did with Tobias Harris, one of the things that you said was the Sixers needed three-point shooting. And I didn't. I said to Doug yesterday, it was yesterday or Wednesday when they lost uh, Landry Shamit when they ended up trading him to the Clippers as part of the deal. I thought that Landry Shamit was a good three point threat, shot about forty percent. And I know Tobias Harris is percentage wise a better shooter, but you're not bringing in Tobias Harris to spot up and shoot threes. Agree. And now you've brought in a guy who is averaging twenty points per game who does like to have the ball in his hands, who does like to go to the basket, that it sounds a lot like Jimmy Butler. And you've now also got a guy who likes the ball in his hands in Ben Simmons, who distributes. So you really haven't cured any of your deficiencies of having a lack of three-point shooting. In fact, I think you've brought in another piece, and whether he's a good player or not, now you've disrupted possibly what Jimmy Butler is going to do with the Sixers. And then when you can, when you add on what Jimmy Butler and the conflict, whether it be serious of nature or not with, with Brett Brown earlier in the year, now how is Jimmy Butler going to face in the offense when you're trying to fit a new guy in? And Jimmy Butler's going to free agency. There's more talk of Tobias Harris staying with the Philadelphia 76ers. This just doesn't seem like it's a great plan put together by Elton Brand and the Sixers, yet everybody wants to be like, oh, okay, we're good. We're you know everything's everything's cool here. Well, and it's funny because you mentioned you led the show by talking about did the Pelicans actually help the Lakers because the Lakers were about to potentially shoot themselves in the foot and make the trade despite themselves and lose every piece except for LeBron and what would have been Anthony Davis. And I do wonder if some of that has happened in Philadelphia where part of the reason they were so good last year was not just Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, but the guys that that were role players, Sarich, um, Covington. Yeah. By the way, Shamit has been really good for them this year, and now all of a sudden you got these four guys. Even even if they play well together, you need guys. I mean, the Warriors have become more susceptible since that bench has thinned out. Now the Warriors starting five is so good that it doesn't matter. But you need guys like Covington, like Shamit, guys like that. You brought in uh, Bellinelli last year, yep. who was great and ends up going back to San Antonio. You had Ursan Ilyasova, who played a role last year that was brought in. He's no longer there. Those were not only gaps for the Sixers to fill for the first half of the season, but you didn't make many of any of those moves. And then there's this. There's two quick points I want to make before we get to Steve DeSager going to give us an update of what's happening at Pebble Beach. Number one, Aaron, there shouldn't be a question of who's the best in the East right now. There are two teams who are battling for the best in the East. It's Milwaukee and Toronto, and you know what? Both of those teams made moves to improve their team. So it's not of what look at Philadelphia. As much as I love Houston, playing better. It's not because of all the moves Houston made. It's because guys are going to be healthier. Chris Paul is back. Clint Capella is going to be back. There's, you know, James Harden's James Harden. That's why I like Houston. We're just putting the Sixers because there's so much on top. When you really look at 
Okay, let's look at what the Bucks have done. Let's look at what the Raptors have done, and let's look at what those teams have done at the trade deadline. It's something that we just we want to put the Sixers in the conversation right away when we're discrediting what other teams have done just because we love the surface of the process and everything with the Sixers. And then the other quick point is we seem to blame Markel Fultz for not being able to shoot instead of blaming the 76ers for making an awful draft pick and for making an awful trade that led to their awful draft pick. Like now we say like oh, the Sixers have given up on Markel Fultz. It's too bad. It's his problem. No, that was a Sixers problem that they thought that it could work out in the first place, but we don't give them enough heat for it. We just move on and say, oh, look at what the Sixers have done. Well, I think if Markel Fultz hadn't injured his shoulder, I guess is the diplomatic way to say it, I think there might be something above his shoulders that's the real issue. I think he would have been a good piece. Now, he wouldn't have been Jason Tatum if they had kept the first pick and used used the pick on that. Um, the Fultz thing, I'll say this. I'm with you, Dan. But I think the Fultz thing is one I, I don't agree with. But I do agree with the general what, concept. Do you agree that they don't get flack for taking him? Or do you think that they do get flack for taking him? Oh, I think him? they get flack for taking him. I don't know how responsible they are that he can't shoot, though. I mean, he was a good shooter at Washington. He just lost the ability to shoot. I just don't like the two years in a row taking a guy number one and trying to make him a point guard. But, yeah. I, I Well, I mean... If and you, I don't think that's even like brought up. Like, okay, Ben Simmons is going to be our point guard of the future, so let's then draft Markel Fultz and make him our, like, what? I think they could have played him off the ball. I think the thought was they're shooting, they're spacing, he could take guys off the dribble, but then he lost the ability to do all of that in, like, a week. I just don't think they get enough heat. Well, I, yeah. I think it's what I said. In the NBA, we are in such a rush to crown the next guy. Six months ago, Jason Tatum, we should just build him a statue outside of the Boston, whatever they call it, TD Bank Garden yep. Center. Oh, <laughs> just he dunked on LeBron. Remember when he dunked on LeBron that one time? Yeah, he's 19 years old. It's going to take time. Donovan Mitchell, oh, he just stepped in for Gordon Hayward, uh, Stockton him alone. Forget about them. We got Donovan Mitchell now. Well, I'm just saying, I feel like we do this in the NBA more than any other sport. We just build these guys up, and then we just forget about them and move on to the next guy. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.